0: hello and welcome to spare thoughts the podcast with lively discussion vigorous debate and the big questions you can't ignore i'm your host jay saha and i'll be your guide as we navigate the ins and outs of some of the biggest issues today joining me today we have james bantick tom stevens sandy mitchell and tom norman it's good to have you guys on But before we get into the main discussion, a quick disclaimer, please note that the views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of myself, the production team or Hampton School. Cool, so let's get started. Today, we're discussing healthcare, specifically whether the UK healthcare model is better than the US's or vice versa. I think COVID especially has forced us to re-examine whether the current systems in place today are failing and if they're suitable for the future. With this in mind, I wanted to ask you guys, which healthcare system is better, the US's or the UK? What do you guys think?
1: So I'd like to start the conversation by saying that I think the UK healthcare system is far better than that of the US. It's more efficient, has better health outcomes, uh, is more greatly valued by the British public, and it creates far less inequality.
2: When you say it's more efficient... The fact that there's much more waiting lists because it's available to everyone. So it's it's arguably not more efficient than the US health system. And also the US health system is more efficient because you can go not because of needs, but because of wants as well. And you can plan when you want to go. But the US doesn't accept what you want. They just In the UK, NHS just accepts your needs. Uh, I would,
3: I'd like to d- disagree with that. and um, It's more efficient that's because people are kind of 33 less like 33 percent less likely to go and see a doctor or have a regular doctor. So they're, they're only efficient because they're only going if it's a real kind of proper emergency. And there's kind of 25 percent of people in America have unmet health needs because they're not using the hospital system enough because they're afraid that they can't go and get a get a regular kind of illness checked out because they know that it's too expensive for them to afford.
4: Okay, firstly, I would just like to counter your point there, um, saying that in countries where healthcare is free, people tend to go to the doctors with the trivial issues. Like they miss appointments, they just take abuse of the free service. And I think this is often a waste of resources and, to be frank, just a drain on public spending. Then, in addition, I would like to say that there are actually a lot of ways that vulnerable and disadvantaged populations can receive free or low-cost healthcare, like in the US, Medicaid and Medicare are available for the poorest sectors of society, as well as everyone over the ages of 65. And before you come at me about that, I'd like to say that if people don't qualify for these schemes, then surely that means they arguably make too much money or are too wealthy to be considered poor, hence they can afford the healthcare just like everyone else
1: whilst the fact that some people at NHS might be more inclined to go to the doctors for trivial reasons, meaning it's a waste of doctor's time to be treating them in the UK could be true. However, uh, in the u k we have a system called the Gatekeeping method, which it describes the way in which you would go to your g p before they would diagnose you and refer you to a surgeon to have an operation or refer you for um drug uh, for, or provide you a prescription for some drugs. Uh, now, in the US, you don't have that, and the doctor diagnosing you is often the one involved in providing the s- prescribed drugs or delivering the operation, and surely that's a conflict of interest because they'll be making money from uh, this surgery that they're giving. For example, in the US alone, doctors performed 700,000 arthroscopic meniscal trimmings of people's knee tendons, uh, and a study was carried out that found that revealed that there was no benefit from the surgical Procedure at twelve months follow up from the patient. Uh, Yes, yeah, almost seven hundred thousand of these surgeries are being carried out every single year uh, by doctors. Uh, I would just like to pick up there. You spouted some stuff about
4: knee trimmings. Knee trimmings, Tom. Can you say that knee trimmings applies to the whole healthcare? That seems a very specific stat to be picking up on. Not necessarily able to generalise to the wider healthcare.
1: Well, it's a um, it's just an example uh, that was found, and uh, 700,000 of these operations that have been revealed to show no benefit for the patient are still going out every single year. Uh, a study was done by uh, Dr. Philip Stathel, who's an orthopaedic surgeon in the US, that found this, uh, and every single doctor will have access to this uh, trial information because it was pub it was published by the US National Library of Medicine and yet they still decide to carry out these operations and what other motive would they have
2: but earning themselves a quick buck you said about the UK's method um, gateway method I think you called it Um, but surely that is you said which is better Um, that is more inefficient because you're using more time, more resources, which means more spending by the government, just for you to go to a doctor who can tell you what the second doctor is going to tell you. So, I don't think that's an efficient way to run a healthcare system.
3: I mean, if, we, if we're talking about economic spending uh, per person, um, the UK spends 47%, so that's less than half of what the US pay for healthcare for each person. So I'm not really sure you can argue that the American system is saving money because it's not. It's more than two times more expensive.
2: I was saying that it was saving money in that way that you're not spending money on one part of the healthcare system that is not needed. That's unessential. And also the U- U.S., as you all know, likes to overspend on things. That's a very typical U.S. thing to do. They like they're the country with best qualities. What they think they have. The best cancer five-year cancer survival rate is sixty-seven percent, which is more than the UK. They pride themselves on their quality. People in the UK they love to go, well, not love, to, <laughs> love to go. They when they have a very very serious illness, they go to the US because that is where they can receive the best possible treatment.
0: Actually, I just want to come in here. Um, you raise an interesting point, Vantic. What I want to ask you then, you know, we've talked about a lot about accessibility to healthcare, but you're talking about the absolute quality of healthcare, which system do you think provides the best absolute quality in healthcare?
4: I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here. It is not possible to have a highly efficient, high quality health system that is free at the point of use. Publicly funded systems, they just cannot generate the funding required to offer the best healthcare solutions available. Hence, like Bantic was saying, lots of Brits tend to go to America countries with healthcare systems that are free to the public end up rationing their medical services and therefore the most expensive treatments are often unavailable to the public if the government determines that the cost does not out the way outweigh the benefits the only way to maintain a health system of the highest quality is to have the patient pay at least some of their healthcare costs like in the us now i would like to say that in terms of quality The UK has 2.7 hospital beds per 1,000 of the population. This is very low when you compare it to the EU average of 5.2 per thousand and the likes of Germany and France, who offer 8.2 and 6.2 hospital beds per 1,000 of the population. Also, there are fewer CT scanners, 8 per million of the population, compared to the EU average of 21.4 per million of the population, and fewer MRI scanners. 6.1 6.1 per million of the population, compared to the EU average of 15.4. Would you not say that the NHS is clearly lacking in these areas in terms of offering quality healthcare?
3: The NHS is definitely lacking, but the US healthcare system is also lacking as well. I think James mentioned that you know, the US had a higher survival rate for cancer, but that's because 64% of Americans in a survey reported that they delayed or did not seek medical help because they were afraid that they wouldn't be able to afford it. So you go, you know, there's 10% more people, I think it is, survive the cancer treatment. That's because that's only a third of the population who actually can afford to go to hospital. And then there's probably many things that go undiagnosed. Whereas in the UK, if you have the small problem, you go and get it checked out, and they're a lot more likely to find different types of cancer that Americans would have never found.
0: Actually, I just want to come in here, Sandy, Um, you're talking about, you know, statistical analysis and the fact that we can't just trust the statistics as they're given to us. An alternate viewpoint that some people might have is um, the fact that, for example, the US counts babies that are born prematurely um, with little uh, or no hope of living as alive. And therefore, for example, they would be counted as infant deaths if they ever died. Whereas other developed countries, for example, categorize these premature babies as stillborn and so you know they're not counted as um, the same type of infant deaths and equally this skews the data for america how would you argue against that
3: well i think there probably are some areas where the american healthcare system does fit better but that's at the expense of lots of other areas as well so in terms of kind of infant babies you have to pay extra money if once you've had your child if you want to hold it and that's, I know that's not necessarily gonna affect kind of the quality of healthcare, but it's not a very humane system where you have to pay extra money to be able to kind of see your baby or have any contact with your baby after it's been born. And that's the kind of thing that comes at the cost.
2: I think if we think about also that you're talking about extra payment. People have, let's say the Britain, when go back to the cancer um, survival rates, people in Britain with severe cancer go to America because they can't get the access to the treatment in the UK. And that's what maybe not included in the American because it's their British citizens and that will distort the data even further. So there's lots of little things. For example, in the COVID cases, the government was counting deaths 28 days after a positive COVID test. that could be completely unrelated to COVID but they still died at that and that skews data. And that's a key thing that kind of makes people decide which is better.
3: Yeah, I think it's kind of hard on data, but there's, you know, there's a few metrics like the world health organization or whatever that rank the, like, I think this, this one's probably slightly out of date, probably early 2000s, but the United Kingdom was 17 places higher in their ranking of healthcare systems. And the, the United Nations says that having free healthcare is a basic human right, but many Americans don't have that.
0: I want to butt in here. Um, you raise a very interesting point, Sandy. The argument between, you know, is healthcare a right or a privilege? Do you guys all think that healthcare is a right? Tom, I'll come to you first.
4: Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that as well. I mean, just asking Tom and Sandy briefly, how would you actually define a right? And then if I may jump in a bit later.
1: I think the thing is, in the UK, there's an ever-increasing attitude. No,
4: Tom, I just want a definition of what you think a right is.
1: Tom,
3: I mentioned one earlier. I'm a bit confused why you're asking this question. The United Nations defines as a human right the access to free healthcare.
4: Okay, I don't want to know what the UN says. I want to know what Sandy Mitchell thinks a right is. How would you define it? I don't know about you, but I tend to trust the UN on these kind of things. You know? Okay, but I'm asking, how would you define a right? right would you Tom, say, for example, uh,
0: Tom, I'll bring you to a pause here. We've clearly come to a standoff. Um, can I keep going? Um, all right, first of all, I want to um, come to Bantic. I just want to hear from you first, and then, Tom, I'll come back to you. Bantic, where do you stand on the debate over whether healthcare is a privilege or whether it is a right?
2: I think it depends very much on circumstances in which you are needing this healthcare. For example, is it better to treat someone who got hit by a car while they were out on a run, which is benefiting them, or should you prioritize someone who has lung cancer because they've smoked for 50 years of their life? And that is something the NHS can't really make that decision, but private healthcare and insurance companies can make that decision in private in the US healthcare system. To be honest, I completely agree
1: with James, uh, in that regards in the fact that the NHS are having problems with, uh, could potentially be having problems with people who don't feel as responsible for taking care of themselves because uh because we have we all have access to free healthcare and uh, this topic it made me think of a of a book that I read a few years ago which was the memoirs of a of a junior doctor working in the NHS and a, and a specific. Um, and a specific patient that he had to deal with on the accident and emergency ward. And so I'll just quote out of this book, if that's if that's okay. Yeah, no problem. Uh, So uh, to set the scene, this uh, junior doctor called Adam is working on an A&E ward with his colleague Frank. And uh, so uh, here it goes. Frank counters with the story of a similar patient he had last year, who decided to cover every surface of his skin with gaffer tape. He collapsed, having desiccated himself to the equivalent of a rive eater. Wasn't for a party, though, Frank adds. I ask why, then remember why most people do most things, and thus find myself introduced to the sexual kink of mummification, leaving a couple of nostril holes for breathing, and a much larger hole on the reverse side. Frank later learned that gaffer tape does a pretty good job of removing human skin and hair, and its circumcises. And it begs the question, if this person were, were to come into a U.S. If this person is living in the U.S. and they knew that um, if them potentially acting out this kink of mummification could result in them having to pay higher health care insurance premiums, uh, as well as having a hefty bill when they leave hospital, uh, would, they be, would they be less inclined to take such a risk?
0: All right. Well, I mean, clearly that's a very, very extreme example, but I guess it shows your viewpoint and, you know, helps give evidence on, you know, perhaps maybe healthcare should be a privilege as opposed to a right. Um, I want to switch topic now, actually, we've talked a lot about, you know, is healthcare a right? Is it a privilege? Um, How accessible is it? Um, However, I think when we examine healthcare systems, we need to also consider the economic impacts of that healthcare system. And so The next question I want to ask you guys is, do you think the US healthcare system is better for the economy than the UK is for the UK's economy?
3: Uh, I would say absolutely not. The leading cause of bankruptcy among American people is not being able to afford medical bills. 33% of all people who are currently paying for healthcare in the US are unable to pay for food, heat or housing. That can't be good for the economy. I think there's been some studies done that you know it would increase unemployment. Uh, sorry, it would increase self-employment rates in the US by kind of one and a half percent, and that by removing this, you could reduce employer labor costs by over ten percent. And I think that that's a significant portion that would help the economy if they were to nationalize healthcare like the UK did.
2: I completely agree on that front with Sandy that US healthcare does take away from people who can't afford it and it's eating up their money. But then equally in the UK, um, we—it's government funded and is it essentially a free healthcare? Because the government, if they increase spending on the NHS, much as they have been increasing spending during COVID, they increase their spending where they're getting that money from, and it is the taxpayer. So they'll hike up taxes and essentially we are paying for treatment. It's not a free healthcare system.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with the fact that it's not a free healthcare system, but the NHS. There are a lot of things about it compared to the US healthcare system that make it far more efficient. Uh, in the fact that people are prioritized on waiting lists, uh, by the fact it's so large that multiple tests don't need to be repeated in hospital because uh, they can share information much more easily than smaller private private establishments uh, in the US. Uh, And in the UK, there are 501 private hospitals compared to the 1,060 in the US. So that's actually uh, 2.5 times more hospitals in the UK in proportion to the population. Uh, As well as that, um, for operations that people might not need, like uh, facelifts or plastic surgery, uh, the average uh, facelift in the US costs um, the equivalent of £7,000 in dollars. And the NHS lists on their website that face lists range from a few thousand pounds to ten thousand pounds uh, if you want to get the operation done privately. So there is a, a large uh, a large free market economy within the
0: U- UK's healthcare system. All right, Tom. Um, I just want to come to the other Tom um, quickly. Where, where does this stand with you?
4: OK, I'm just bored out of my mind. <laughs> Tom Norman rambling on with useless, empty stats, which don't prove anything. I don't know. I don't want to know about someone quoting about having a sexual kink for mummification. I don't want to know about the cost of a facelift. All right. You said the NHS was efficient. You're wrong. Okay. 41% of people in the UK said they did not get a same day or next day appointment last time they needed care. Would you say that is efficient? No. In addition, I think that Providing free healthcare often overwhelms the hospitals and medical staff. More people want to visit these hospitals, do they not? Therefore, hospital patients might end up spending hours or even days waiting for their turn because of these long waiting lines. And this will inevitably decrease the number of days they go to work. Would you not therefore argue that in the long run, free health care will,
0: will prove detrimental to overall economic productivity? All right, Tom, you do provide a good point there, actually. Um, however, I want to switch topics now. I'm wary of time. Um, and before before we end, I want to ask, clearly, you know, we've seen COVID. Clearly, both systems are failing to an extent. And finally, I wanted to ask both of you, how do we improve the US or the UK system? And, you know, is there a better system elsewhere that we should be copying? Tom, I'll come to you first. Okay, I don't, I agree, like, both have flaws. Um, I don't necessarily.
4: I'm not like medical or whatever. I don't really know how we'd improve it per se, but I know that in Israel they have an interesting, um, or it, they have an interesting way of doing it. They have like four main healthcare providers, and they're all in competition. The Israelis only pay a very low amount to subscribe to each hospital, so it's relatively cheap for the patients. But they're also getting high-quality healthcare because of the competition provided by four rival um, healthcare systems. If that makes sense,
3: I think part of the difficulty with kind of increased competition is that then people will start trying to cut corners and find more ways to kind of try and do stuff where they can't. They'll start trying to, you know, pretend that treatments work when they don't. I think there's there's probably a balance somewhere in between the kind of the the UK, you know, you let everyone in the hospital, no matter how stupid they've been, and the US kind of excluding a large proportion of their population, that I think possibly what it is, is kind of making making people understand that there are some things, you know, that you've got to be responsible with and that possibly, you know, part of this, collapse the NHS or whatever, while it may seem kind of pointless, if it's just kind of help reminding people that the NHS doesn't, it's like, it's, it's not guaranteed and that, it should be there to help them when they really need it, not when they've done something stupid and possibly you know, they need to think about what they're doing and think, will I get injured? And then how is that going to affect the NHS? How is that going to affect everybody else in the country who's now got paid for my mistake?
0: All right, Bantic, we'll come to you and then we'll end it. Bantic, where do you stand on this? Yeah, I completely agree with what Sandy was saying
2: is that NHS needs to start, there needs to be a change in the infrastructure and how they do things. And that's the same for the... US as well. I think these two systems are very clearly flawed and there are definitely other ways to do it. So prioritizing certain patients and injuries over others is one thing. I also believe that well there's discrimination in jobs when you apply for jobs because in the US they offer you health insurance as part of the job and if you apply to a job and let's say you have some kind of blood disease that you have like hereditary blood disease, They might reject you of that job just because of the like the funds they would have to like use for your health and i think that's really pretty criminal in my
0: in my opinion all right well i think that's actually a really nice place to call it quit here um you you have whatever view you have on whether which system is better and i think um it often comes down to you know whether you believe healthcare is a right or a privilege um but I think that is a good, good place to end. Um, and as Bantic, you, you were explaining, clearly both systems have a, a lot more to, um, to do with themselves. They need to improve and grow and get better. But um, yeah, I think that pretty much brings us to the end of this podcast. Um, first of all, thank you guys for being on. You've been great speakers. I also want to give a massive shout out to our um, editing team run by Henry Ward. So big shout out to you, Henry. Thanks for all of this. Um, and yeah it's been great having you all on and I really hope you enjoyed it if you did please spread the word and tune back in for the next instalment of Spare Thoughts and remember to spare a thought for Spare Thoughts